I've known Eric uh, since our days as college students at PLU. We got to sing together for three years in the Choir of the West there, which included singing at Disneyland and traveling across Norway and Sweden. So we've had some life together, which is so great. And someday I will share with you the story of how Eric is quite responsible for me heading into ministry at all, and quite specifically for me ending up here as the pastor of this new thing that started called Salt House. It's really all his fault. So... Thanks, Eric. <laughs> oh, so Pastor Eric, he serves at Faith Lutheran Church in Marysville. Uh, he does coaching and consulting work for churches and nonprofits and higher ed organizations locally and across the country. Please welcome the Salt House microphone, Pastor Eric Samuelson. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. That would feel like blame, except you're awesome, so it doesn't, right? Because it's my fault. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, so I'm a Lutheran pastor, uh, and uh, in recent days have been discerning more and more. Uh, take that off. Uh-oh, I wrecked it. I was on a roll. More and more discerning a call to coaching work. Um, and coaching is exactly uh, along the lines of discernment walking alongside people as they listen uh, for their own inner voice, find their own inner strength, uh, listen for how God is speaking to them, if that's part of uh, how you do that, uh, as it is for us as Christians, and then helping to plan out what are the action steps that are going to take you to where you're feeling called to go. So I'm doing that work in churches across the country. I'm working with leaders um, locally and in different places, um, working with some educational institutes, uh, institutions, and it's a lot of fun. But I learned all of this uh, in my days at Trinity Lutheran College, uh, which was, was in Everett, formerly in Issaquah, formerly the Lutheran Bible Institute, if you've heard of that. Uh, Anne-Marie Russell, our musician, yes, musician today, and I uh, taught together for five years there. And one of the things that we did was to work with first-year college students teaching them spiritual practices, helping to walk alongside them as they adjusted to life, um, and learn how to discern for their own sense of call and their own vocation. And one of the practices that became really forefront to that was this clearness practice um, that's the topic and kind of the focus today. So that's where, um, that's where this uh, Picked up, and we learned from a Quaker, an honest-to-goodness Quaker minister uh, from the Society of Friends, uh, who taught us how to do this work of listening that's so central to their practice. So uh, that's kind of the theme today: is clearness, uh, and how, as Sarah mentioned, will it'll unfold in all these different ways. But this today that begins with the sermon. So here's uh, here's a reading, the gospel reading from Luke. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he had to say. But Martha was distracted with all the preparations that had to be made. So she came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset by many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of the Lord. This work in discernment, we lean on uh, a man named uh, 
Howard Thurman, Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman, who is part of the generation before Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement. And he has this work called The Sound of the Genuine that I cannot do justice to, so we're going to listen to him read a snippet of it. There is in every person something that weeps and listens for the sound of the genuine in herself. There is in you something that weeps and listens for the sound of the genuine in yourself. Nobody like you has ever been born. And no one like you will ever be born again. You are the only one. If you cannot hear it, the sound of the genuine in you, you will never find whatever it is for which you search it. And if you cannot hear the sound of the genuine in you, you will all of your life spend your days on the ends of strings that somebody else pulled. You ever felt like that? on the ends of strings that somebody else pulls. I let Dr. Thurman read it because he reads it so slow. Man, it slows you down. Listen for the sound of the genuine so that you do not spend your life on the ends of strings that somebody else is pulling. Elijah the prophet had been having a good season as far as it goes for prophets. I mean, usually prophets' lives end pretty bad, right? Because their job is to speak truth to power, uh, and that usually doesn't go over so well with power. But Elijah, actually, it had been working fairly well. He'd predicted a drought because the people of God had turned away from the worship of God and were distracted by so many other things, other ways of worshiping, other ways of being. Uh, They were spread out and spread thin, and Elijah predicted a drought, and it happened, a way to pressure the king uh, to to restore the way uh, that God was calling him to, uh, and it worked. The drought happened, and then uh, there's a whole, you gotta read this story in in Kings. It's kind of crazy and pretty violent, but it ends up that he comes across that the prophet of God, uh, of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob uh, is, is God, and that the folks should trust in that God and not in these other gods. There's a bunch of uh, murder and death and things that follow, but it went well in terms of what he was trying to do, right? The king has repented, but the queen was not so impressed and calls for Elijah's death and says, I will hunt you down and kill you. And so Elijah, going from this great season as a prophet, all of a sudden is fled, flees out into the wilderness, doesn't know what's going on. He's done what God has asked of him, and it's worked, 
and now his life again has fallen apart. You ever been in that wilderness where everything was working and then all of a sudden the bottom drops out and you just don't know where you are? And Elijah felt far from God. He called out to God and God gave him no answer. He got depressed. He laid under a tree and hoped to die God gave him a little bit of food, but let him wander for 40 more days in the wilderness. And Elijah finds himself on Mount Horeb, which is probably Mount Sinai, right? He goes to Mount Sinai looking, I think, for God. It worked for Moses, right? He showed up on the mountain, and God, there's a bush, and it was burning, and God made real clear what Moses was supposed to do, right? And then, and it was a big deal, fire and flames, and then that's where God gave the Ten Commandments. A cloud descends, and the voice of God booms, and boy, it was real clear what Moses was going to do next. And later on, the people went there when it was time to actually cross into the Promised Land. If you want to find God, I'm thinking, Elijah thought, we better go there, Let's go see where God is and how God speaks. Let's go up to the mountain and listen for the voice of God. And so he does. He takes a moment to remember who God is and who he is. Yeah? Okay. And so God speaks. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? I don't think that's the question he was after. <laughs> and then God says, uh, I'm coming by, so pay attention. And then there's a powerful wind that breaks the rocks, and Elijah's hiding in the cave. And then after that wind, there's an earthquake, but God's not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake, a fire, but God wasn't in the fire. All these big things, all the big ways that God speaks happened, and Elijah heard nothing. In all the chaos and all the booming, he's waiting for God to answer, and he doesn't get a word until. He hears the voice of God after all the hustle and bustle has died away, after the world seemingly has fallen apart around him, out in his wilderness, and he hears a gentle whisper. Or in other translations, a still, small voice. Or even better, the sound of sheer silence. Or the voice of silence. He's looking for God in all these big ways. And God comes and speaks to him right in the heart of the silence, in his pain, in his suffering, in his confusion. The voice of God speaks and it says to him again, what are you doing here, Elijah? Or another translation of the Hebrew is, who are you here, Elijah? Who are you in this place, in this time, in this moment, in this wilderness? Who are you? Elijah heard it differently the second time, I think. God asking a question that opens him up. And all of a sudden, Elijah knows what's next. The voice of God speaks to him, and the silence puts him back on track. He was sure that he was the only prophet left, and God gives him marching orders again and gives him this bit of clearness. You're not the only one I've prepared others. Go appoint a successor, Elisha, who's going to do twice as much as you're going to do, and he does. 
So out of his chaos, out of his confusion, out of his uh, uncertainty about what God was doing, the voice of sheer silence, God speaks and sends him on his way. He remembers who God is, and he remembers who he is too. Howard Thurman goes on. There are so many voices and noises going on inside of you. So many echoes of all sorts. So many internalizings of the rumble and the traffic going on in your minds. The confusions, the disorders by which your environment is peopled that I wonder. If you can get still enough. Not quiet enough. But still enough. To hear rumbling up from your unique and essential idiom the sound of the genuine in you. I don't know if you can, but this is your assignment. The sound of the genuine is flowing through you. Don't be deceived and thrown off by all the noises that are a part even of your dreams and your ambitions that you don't hear the sound of the genuine in you because that is the only true guide that you will ever have. And if you don't have that, you don't have a thing. Cultivate the discipline of listening to the sound of the genuine in yourself. There's so many voices and noises going on inside of you, so many echoes of all sorts, so many internalizings of the rumble and traffic going on in your mind. Does that sound like Martha in that story about Jesus? Martha, Martha, you are so distracted by so many things, and usually we hear it, Martha, Martha, you're so worried and distracted. Mary's doing it better than you. Knock it off, right? But what if Mary, as she's laying out all her problems, as she's feeling so disconnected from what's going on, Jesus grabs her by the shoulder and says, Martha, Martha, and all of a sudden she wakes up so distracted by all these things. There's only a few things, or really just one. Breathe. Take a moment. Like Mary, just listen so that you can hear the sound of the genuine in you. The contemplative Teachers tell us you can have times of silence and contemplation even in your busiest moments, washing the dishes, changing the oil on your car, running after kids. It's cultivating that inner presence, that inner silence, that inner space, that even when the world is blowing up around you, you can stop and breathe and hold that space and remember who God is and who you are. The sound of the genuine. Martha struggled, as do I most days, and probably you, to be still enough. Not quiet enough, but still enough to hear the sound of the genuine in her. Can we be still enough in the earthquake? in the fire, as the world comes down around us still enough to hear the sound of the genuine. We're going to try. 
We're going to sit in silence together. Now, this can be super uncomfortable, and it might be. It's okay. We're going to do six minutes of silence, listening for the sound of the genuine. And when the world starts to cascade around you, that's okay. Come back to that center place, listening for God as best you can. And when you go all Martha brain, just bring it right on back to the feet of Jesus. So here we go.
There's so many voices and noises going on inside of me. So many echoes of all sorts, so many internalizing of the rumble and traffic going on in my mind. The confusion, the disorders by which my environment is peopled, I wonder if I can get still enough. Not quiet enough, but still enough. To hear rumbling up from my unique and essential idiom the sound of the genuine in me. When was the last time you had six minutes of silence? One of the things I loved about the early pandemic is it was so quiet. Do you remember? Pretty quickly, that quiet, that silence, that loss of busyness gets filled with terrors. What is and what isn't, what will be? What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Pretty quickly, that silence that we so desperately need gets all filled up, and we become Martha when God calls us to be Mary. How could we create more space for that? If we were among the Quakers, the religious society of friends, most of our worship time would be silence. We'd sit together and wait to hear what the Holy Spirit bubbles up. And some days it doesn't, or it doesn't have much to say, and sometimes the silence itself is the voice of God. And so when we do the practice of clearness, we borrow their fundamental practice of silence, and it's hard especially the first few times. When you have a decision to make, when you have a crisis in your life, when you need the community around you to listen for that voice of God, you can call a clearness committee. Invite a group to sit with you in that silence and listen for the voice of God. One person, the clerk, kind of keeps track and keeps time, makes some notes about what's said, but you sit in silence with the focused person, usually in the middle, whoever's bringing their challenge or concern, for two or three hours in the full practice. We won't do the whole thing on Wednesday. We're in a short version. It's okay. We're Lutherans. Come on. Can't do too much of that. And in that silence, three things can happen. The silence can continue to speak. People who are supporting the discerner, those that are sitting on the outside of the circle, can ask a question. And then the person can answer it or speak, the focus person. Those three things. We sit in silence and we ask questions. What are you doing here today, Elijah? Or better questions like, who are you in this wilderness, Elijah. And it's amazing how the voice of God will bubble up in amazing and unexpected ways. The other practice that we need we'll do in the time after the worship service, and that's the asking of questions and the telling of stories. It's not easy to form those questions. It takes practice. So we'll do that in the following section because... At the heart of it is listening to God. Here's your triangle, right? Listening to God and listening to one another. Douglas Steer, he's a Quaker, he says this. To listen another's soul into a condition of disclosure and discovery may be almost the greatest service any human being ever performs for another. So we listen each other's souls 
into conditions of disclosure and discovery. We create that space together so that the voice of God and the voice of God through our friends and loved ones can help us discern how it is we will act faithfully in the world. Sometimes just our next most faithful step. Anne-Marie's going to transition to a song, and she's got a little bit of a story to share. Thanks, Anne-Marie. In the session after worship, um, I have the pleasure of sharing a bit about a clearness committee process that our family, that Aaron and I went through as we were making some decisions about Matthew, our youngest son, and Eric um, was our clerk and facilitated that. So um, I wanted to just share a song um, with you. Eric and I were working at Trinity together, doing all of this work when I found myself at Holden Village, which is a retreat center in the Cascade Mountains um, at a women's retreat. And I encountered a poem by the poet Jane Hirschfeld. And the poem is called, Only When I Am Quiet and Do Not Speak. And I loved that line and sort of sat with that and sat with it as I walked around the village and sort of spent time there. And this is the song that came out of that, which I think recognizes that being quiet is hard, but also honors what we get from that. When I am quiet and do not speak, then I finally learn to listen to the joy and sorrow, the loss and grief that is sung throughout creation. And in the silence, I can also hear something calling, or something near, the still small voice that is me. comes to me and the questions seem to matter more than the answers I'd been looking for and the words of wisdom that get lost in all the noise finally I can hear them much to my surprise if I close my mouth and open up my eyes so come spirit come Spirit, come, make of me a heart full of hope, holding tight to the mystery of all that was and is and what will be, on oh, what will be. all that I'd been missing every leaf that's fluttered to the ground and the sound of my heart beating and hope renewing through the path the river flows with wisdom speaking from my head down to my toes making something new deep in my soul so come Spirit, come, Spirit, come, and make of me a heart full of hope, holding tight to the mystery of 
Thank you, Anne-Marie. Wow. 